are back with episode 849 of The Critical Myth. I'm John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, Edmund from Washington Heights, and I'm, I'm a little disoriented. I, I, I feel like I might have just come back through a mirror. Um, wait a minute. Um, oh, okay. No goatee. It's me. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, well, uh, uh, happy to be hearing, Edmund. Uh, this is uh, Gary from Jacksonville. And um, um, we really got a, a full slate up this week, and I just love all the science fiction and superheroes going around. Pinch me. I must be dreaming. That's right, and in fact, uh, it's great to have Edmund back here as we are early here in 2018. I originally thought that we were going to have three weeks' worth of material since uh, we took an extra week we weren't expecting uh, to try and get our uh, schedules a little synchronized here with uh, other real-world events. But then I realized as I was looking forward to the next couple weeks that, oh yeah, there's this major sporting event that, I don't know about <laughs> you guys, it has not been like promoted at all. <laughs> <laughs> there's been oh, way, I, so many other things, and I, it snuck up on me. So there's not a lot of shows running in the next couple of weeks. So I held off some stuff until next time, just in order to make sure we have something to actually talk about. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking uh, at some point this week about the last two weeks of January and the material that ran then. So just so everyone is kind of can can synchronize their watches internally or externally. But uh, yeah, guys, did you? <laughs> I know it's completely not what we usually talk about, but. I had no clue that the Olympics were coming, like, right now. Oh, no, I knew they were coming, but I wasn't sure. I honestly didn't follow up whether the opening ceremonies were going to be Friday or Saturday. So I came into my house tonight as we're recording on uh, Thursday, and my wife's like, oh, the uh, you know the ceremonies are on at 8 o'clock. I said, geez, Thursday at 8, that seems kind of odd. But, oh, but, it was like, but I got to record a podcast, things, you know, priorities. And so um, she's like, oh, okay, no problem. And then we're like, find out, no, no, it's not opening ceremonies till tomorrow. So. <laughs> Yes, it, it, it may be in Korea, but the time the time difference isn't quite that much. <laughs> yeah, indeed. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to affect everybody's schedules um, as far as their uh, their content that's going out. There are a few cable st stations that are still putting some things out, but um, yeah, it's actually an, a, a weird little lull. Uh, just as it felt like the the winter season, I guess you could say, was kind of uh, on a roll. So we're just going to go ahead and talk about uh, as we get into episodic discussion. The last two weeks of January. But, uh, hey, before we do that or talk about anything else, uh, Edmund, it's been a while. Let's see if you uh, still remember how. <laughs> uh, I think I might know what you're referring to. Uh, when, when we talk about things, um, we, we will basically talk about whatever the uh, frail we want to talk about. So uh, if you haven't seen the things we've talked about, um, you will definitely be spoiled. That's right. Good one. That works. Yeah, <laughs> nice we use are... of the word frail. Yes. Mm, hey. Yeah, I've, I've I've been having a bit of a uh, a uh, Farscape Redux recently. So, oh, I'll be interested to hear about your thoughts on that. <laughs> you know, several years after the fact, actually, I have seen people using Frell a lot more. It's almost like don't call it a comeback. It's just Crichton coming back through the wormhole. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, which would be a comeback? So forget it. <sighs> just confused. Rogel's been talking to me a lot. Uh, let's see. Uh, Edmund, why don't you go ahead then and start us off? What What have you been up to in the last, uh, well, it's been a few months actually since the last time uh, you've been able to join us. Uh, yes, it has. Um, um, let's see. Um, well, I've been uh, sort of slowly catching up on things uh, on the, the uh, genre and movie front. Um, it was uh, quite quite a bit after the, you know, after the release, but I, I did finally get to see uh, Blade Runner 2049. Um, it, uh, it did come back into, into the theaters. 
just here in New York anyway um, for a, a, a brief return run. Um, so I did get to see it uh, on the on the big screen, um, actually in the, the the newly renovated Quad Cinemas downtown, which uh, I uh, remember fondly in their old, very dilapidated state. And uh, I am pleased to report that uh, since they uh, they did a complete teardown and renovation, um, it is now a very a very sleek and uh, um, you know quite uh, quite quite modern theater, which uh, made it very appropriate for watching Blade Runner in. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I certainly see why uh, why Blade Runner twenty forty nine kind of continued the tradition of being a movie that didn't necessarily burn up the box office because uh, it was. Uh, um, My hesitation is that uh, you know, no, I'm, uh, you know, in, certainly in terms of running time, it was long, but it was appropriate for the type of film it was, which was sort of more a a, a meditation and riff on Blade Runner rather than uh, the uh, sort of perhaps uh, all all out uh, action remake and sequel that uh, some people might have been hoping for. But I thought it was uh, still a, a a very worthy successor, and uh, you know, and and rather brave of uh, of them to to go ahead and make a make a movie that was basically continuing the meditations on what existence means and what it means if uh, you create artificial intelligence and uh, which may or may in fact uh, appreciate living far more than the the human population uh, especially given the the uh, degraded uh, environs that they find themselves in in 2049 so uh, that was uh, that was uh, I was uh, and and certainly you know with the um, with, with the visuals and uh, and the the effects it was good to see it in the movie theater but I still I I'm, I mean it, it, but it still pointed out you know just reinforced for me this whole thing that is as wonderful as computer graphics can be there were certain of those cityscapes where it just got all way too monotonous, and you know, and and you know, there there's the you know the the old fogey in me that just says, you know, no, there you know there is something to be said for doing miniatures and having actual physical physical things that you are filming, um, rather than just sort of laying out this you know this this uh, you know this vector frame and uh, filling it in with all these buildings. Um, but, uh, so uh, that uh, you know that was uh, certainly one 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 of the highlights of the last few months. Um, and uh, in uh, as uh, as you you may have been noticing, of course, I haven't been watching a lot of the shows that are on uh, on the list for for this for this program. Um, but uh, I've actually been been delving into the uh, my Netflix net, Netflix queue quite a bit more. Um, and, Why don't we hold uh, that for just a moment? Because I wanted to see Gary. Have you had a chance to see Blade Runner twenty forty nine yet? No, sir, I haven't. Now, and, and Edmund, I just wanted to kind of jump in there because. I think that, number one, I know you're very architecturally minded, so yeah. the, the cityscapes would definitely jump out at you, uh, especially considering some of the uh, very, uh, un well, not, I guess, unique, but uh, stylized uh, skylines of the original Blade Runner. But mm -hmm. one of the things that I kind of noticed was that, it, you know, going back to that film, because I watched that literally the night before I watched uh, Final Cut, the night before I watched 2049, which I think I mentioned last time that uh, we had some episodes out. And uh, really, you can tell that, you know, okay, that was the trendsetter, the original Blade Runner. And oh, now yeah. we are so many years later where I wonder if some of the effect isn't the fact that we've become so used to that kind of cityscape, kind of dystopian, 
you know, model that, I mean, we've had literally in the time in between, we had like, you know, another example that jumps right out as almost having the exact same aesthetic is like the Ghost in the Shell anime film. How many mm-hmm. series now? And then the live action adaptation. And then there was the sequel to Blade Runner. And yet it, it's like you've got the original and now you've got one that has come after so many uh, productions that are in the quote unquote near future have had this, that same aesthetic to it. I wonder if that has anything to do, if you think, about that kind of becoming almost like, hmm, it's, there's a sameness to it now. And then you add on to that kind of the computer generated, you know, effects whether it's procedurally uh, generated or not and just to kind of try you know just throw some random in there but it does actually like you said become almost like uh some of those real stock matte paintings that they used to have back in the day yeah well i should say i mean it really was just in specifics in specific circumstances and instances um i mean a lot of the individual buildings um in terms of uh you know where you know where, where he was living and where he was working i was fine with but it was like particularly those when he was when he's um you know, I mean, it, I mean, at the beginning when he's coming back from the farm, um, and then uh, and then the, the long the long shots go, going down down to San Diego, um, you know, where it was you know there's long you know long expanses of you know you know major portions of the city um, where I really I, I really found found myself looking at it and going you know no you know this you know that I, I I'm seeing this you know the the same polygons <laughs> all over the place here, um, and admittedly that I mean, that's the sort of thing that uh, you know I mean, you that I mean, you really couldn't do with with models I mean you'd have to build you know you know this, you know it, immensely huge model to do it um but uh it's i mean it's something that, that that for me i mean i've been i've been focusing on for you know 20 you know 20 years or so um i mean i know when when the first lord of the rings came out i mean you know i'm one of these people who yes has always stayed for the credits even you know long before marvel studios made it mandatory um and one of the reasons i do that is especially on fx films i, I remember sitting there during during fellowship of the ring and just you know i mean doing a fist pump which nobody else was there so nobody else saw it um when i when, you know when all the model makers started coming up during, during the fellowship of the rings credits you know because i you know because i noticed that you know you know and i was like you know no, you know yeah, I mean, yes obviously he used computer graphics as well but melded with actual models and actual f- physical pieces that you were filming, you know, and, you know, and I think you know, that, that, that adds a degree of reality that trying to do it all on computers just can't match. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I think that we've actually become so savvy. Uh, and I think, you know, Gary, you and I have talked about this sometimes on other shows that we've become so used to picking out the little glitches in CGI sometimes that it can almost distract you if it's, it, you know, it's got that uncanny valley thing that happens where, uh, you know, if it's completely um, fantastical, it's almost like you can just ignore it. But when they try and replicate something real, and it's just not working. It It's just glaring. It's, 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 uh, and, and they use it so much now for backgrounds and everything else that if the angle is just a little off, it just distracts your eye completely. Yeah, so Gary, since I just uh, <laughs> I kind of invoked your name, uh, any movies in the recent uh, couple weeks or a few weeks? No, I haven't had any movies. The only thing I did was, much as um, Edmund has been doing, um, I went back and finally started uh, finishing watching Punisher. I'd never actually finished getting mm-hmm. through it. So I got through it, and I guess that's the best way for me to put my feelings on it. I, I got through it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not an easy show to watch. Uh, that's for sure. It was, uh, you know, violent and very uh, disturbing, at least for me. And uh, I really did walk away from it feeling good. <laughs> um, it was. I did watch it more of a sort of a completist thing, but I, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I really did it. Which is yeah. a shame. I guess. Yeah. I guess you can't have too much Punisher. I guess. Yeah, well, well, don't 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 feel bad, Gary. I'm only partway through Defenders, and I don't I don't feel like I'm going anywhere near Iron Fist. So. <laughs> 
Jeez, everybody picked up. Yeah, it got better. It really did. It got a okay. lot better. It picked yeah. up. You know, it you know, as long did as you pick up a little bit, yeah. You know, everybody except Danny Rand really made great progress <laughs> and growth throughout the whole throughout the whole series. You know, you really should watch it. If you they would just edit out his parts, you'd have a much tighter storyline. <laughs> oh, they should have made Colleen that, Wing Iron like, Fist. That would have been better. That's why I keep seeing the hashtag Iron Fist less. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Without you know, if you if you uh, you know just tune him out, the rest of it's a decent storyline. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Punisher. I think was a very. Um, it, it's an interesting experiment in doing a Marvel show that is probably for a very select audience that that doesn't really uh, kind of shy away. I guess you could say from. A, a meditation on post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, yeah, there was there was actually a series. Uh, he's had several series. Uh, yeah. There was one called Punisher's War Journal, and that probably had the closest feel for me to what the uh, mm-hmm. what the show was. Um, and yeah, it was just equally as dark, dismal, dreary, and uh, disturbing. Yeah, I mean, it really gets into his psyche, and that's not a really fun place to be. Uh, but it is fascinating. I thought that you know, uh, Micro's story was pretty uh, was pretty intense. In its own yeah. ways, and uh, especially the family drama, I really, uh, that was one of the, I think, the the, pl- the plot threads and character threads that I really kind of honed in on as I was watching it. But yeah, it's not for the faint of heart by any means. Um, one movie that I saw, and this was because I just could not resist when there was so much of the, uh, of the kind of uh, online uh, discussion, if you will, or at least the first impressions, was the Cloverfield Paradox. This was the movie that was released on the night of the Super Bowl and was announced as being released on Netflix the night of the Super Bowl. So it was kind of something that everybody's jaws hit the floor and said, they didn't really do that, did they? And nope, they really did do that. Um, This was the movie that, Gary, we talked about several times, was kind of the originally called God Particle. Yes. And it was kind of the code word for the third in the very loosely uh, interconnected Cloverfield films. Uh, and my impression is basically that if you're looking for a slightly lower budget and, and, and kind of uh, Cloverfield uh, kind of connected event horizon without the, the ent- entirely uh, hokey kind of third act that Event Horizon wound up with, uh, it kind of reminds me a lot of that. Um, there are some very interesting concepts in there. There are some uh, good performances in there. There are some very bad performances in there. Um, I have this feeling that I know why it didn't get released in theaters and instead became a Netflix event. Um, Netflix can absorb this kind of... Uh, absorb people kind of having a negative reaction far better than a box office can. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me if you see this kind of thing happen a lot more with these movies that they're kind of would normally put on the shelf or try to retool or have, you know, expensive reshoots. And they just basically say, if we make this something that's kind of an event film on Netflix, or we make it some kind of like interesting gimmick like this, it can get a lot of eyeballs because everyone's going to be interested in it. And when everyone starts putting out even bad reviews, then people are still going to go to watch it because it's on Netflix. They don't have to pay money for it, quote unquote. They already have a Netflix account, so why not? Hey, let's see if this is as bad as people say it is. I, I'm guessing they made a killing off of it. And it wasn't that great a movie. It was pretty mediocre, but you know, I think that actually 10 Cloverfield Lane was a much better movie mainly because it barely had anything to do with Cloverfield, but, um, <laughs> well, and, and, and a pretty decent cast too. Yes. So. Yeah. And much better writing, 
but this one, I, I mean, it had some good people in it, but um, it also just didn't quite gel for me. Uh, there were some ideas that just didn't... I don't know. We've seen a lot of these things before. Um, I think that actually the movie Life, which was last year with Ryan Reynolds and a couple other people, that was also a very stock space horror-themed type mm. of movie, was a much better movie. Yeah. So. I mean, you mean the one I didn't go see because it seemed like way too much of an alien ripoff? Yes. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> but this one was just kind of, I don't know, like I said, it had some very interesting things in there, and I definitely get where they came up with the whole like God particle kind of, here's a concept and let's try and kind of meld it into you know, the overall mythos and so forth, but it's obvious to me why it went to Netflix instead. It's why I think that movie Bright also went to Netflix instead. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I think it would have gotten trounced in the movie theaters, but... So is going to Netflix better than the old term direct-to-DVD? <laughs> I think it is. Okay. Because even with direct-to-DVD, you'd have to go out and buy it. Right. Mm. Netflix is... Uh, this kind of marketing is actually really well-tuned to the whole binge-watching, hey, what's new on, on the streaming service kind of mentality. And Netflix is your best game in town for that right now. So, yeah, I mean, like Amazon, Hulu, they're, they're stepping up their game. They've got a lot of good content, and they do the same thing. They, you know, there's some shows that would normally never make it on cable or, or even some movies that would never make it anywhere else that I think premiere on those services, and they do extremely well instead. But a lot of it is, yeah, come on. If, if you don't have to get in your car, drive to a theater, and pay upward of what, what, what's, what's a typical night out at the movies these days for if you're not going by yourself? <laughs> um, you know, 60, 80 bucks. About $80, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you don't have I get, to do I that. get the nice seats, John. Okay, I admit it. Oh, well, these days, it's reserved. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tack a few bucks on there just to make sure that you actually get a decent seat. But yeah, okay, so you're gonna. So it's not like you have to go out and pay 80 bucks. You've paid your $10 a month for your Netflix. What's the big deal? Throw it on there. It's a couple hours. Oh, huh, that was, yeah, yeah, that was as or, bad as they said. Or not even if you, if you click it and decide you just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You stop after 20 minutes, but you still clicked. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's a great gamble for them. I, I, I mean, I think it pays off well. I, I, and I'm not c- complaining too much. I mean, it was good background stuff after a while. It was fun. I was, you know, okay, there was other stuff going on, but I just wanted to see how it panned out. There were some nice little sequences. It was okay, but it wasn't anything, to, you know, that I would have gone to the movie theater for. So I guess it worked. They got me to watch. <laughs> what I really feel bad about is that I didn't get around to watching other things on Netflix. Not yet, anyway. Altered Carbon is still on my... <laughs> I was actually just about to bring that up, but, but as much because uh, it uh, it dropped on Friday, and it, which reminded me that uh, I actually ha- had not actually finished reading the first book, so I've been doing that. Ah, <laughs> I'm go. almost with it, but, but, but what amused me was some of the, the people saying, like, oh my god, it's, there's so much sex, there's so much violence, and it's like, uh, guys, that's the book. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm, you know, actually, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, when I, you know, the e-reader remembered where I was, but I went back a little bit just to remind myself, you know, so, and, uh, and, yeah, there are certain sequences in there that uh, I'm now rather intrigued to see how much they actually kept in for the filmed version. Mm-hmm. Well, I hear, yeah, I hear that that's actually a common complaint, and I always wonder if people don't know what's going on with sci-fi these days, uh, whether it's on Netflix or not. I mean, uh, quite frankly, if any one of those people were also following things like The Expanse and saw the uncensored versions that sci-fi happily puts on their streaming service, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise them that there's stuff like this out there that is, you know, especially in terms of adaptations. 
But, uh, yeah, everything that I've seen of it really intrigues me. So I need to get to that. And actually, wow, hey, there's two weeks coming up when there's practically nothing on. Perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, and the tick is coming back on Amazon. Second half of the first season. For those who want to know. Indeed. Yes. Uh, Gary, how about you? Any other TV that you've been watching lately that's not on our list? Uh, well, I guess it's not really fiction, but... Um, my uh, children and I both sat down and watched the whole uh, SpaceX launch, and um, uh, my daughter was uh, kind enough to immediately notice the uh, don't panic <laughs> um, sign in the dashboard of the car when launched, and we kept that little uh, Starman uh, live feed on for a good three and a half hours while we were making dinner, doing homework, and the like, and it was, uh, it was, a, it was quite an enjoyable experience watching the, um, the first two boosters land almost simultaneously, almost look like science fiction, um, but it's real, so uh, that's, mm -hmm. it was, that was extra cool, um, but so, um, yeah, so we, we watched that for, geez, the whole night, so it was, it, it was fun, though, and the, the kids' sense of wonder and awe, you know, it's, it's nice, especially down here in Florida, since we, uh, since they stopped shuttle launches, we don't get to see rocket launches every few months, and, you know, I know it's a rough life, and um, so um, so it's it's it was nice to uh, you you could catch a glimpse of the uh, rocket uh, when it took off, and then you know to w be able to watch um, you know watch in almost in HD quality uh, you know the rockets going up. We started to see some video on the shuttle towards the end, but you know now we're getting crystal clear video even after it's you know up in space, and it's just uh, you know it's uh, the quality of the uh, images are are pronounced at least to me, and so it's uh, really even more enjoyable to watch watch what's happening. So uh, yeah, like I said, we were all just ooh ah, uh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> so, but there was a lot of that. Very nice, very nice. Yeah. Yeah, that was very spectacular, and I was also ha happy to see the the number of people online who uh, who did immediately think of uh, the opening of the heavy metal movie, just like I did. So, <laughs> made me feel not quite so old, <laughs> <laughs> or at least in good company. Indeed, yes. yes. Come on, how many of us heard Sammy Hagar playing in the background? <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Edmund had already talked about some of the things he's been reading lately. Uh, Gary, how about you? Um, I'm still finishing the um, Scott Sigler uh, trilogy. The uh, uh, I believe I'm on a light now. Um, I also did wear my Kraken's jersey to a Super Bowl game, which was a lot of fun. Um, as far as uh, let's see, anything else I've been reading? I uh, they finally released um, Teen Titans: The Judas Contract in a deluxe hardbound edition. So I, I picked that up. Um, I often feel that that's one of probably the top 10 comic book stories that they've you know ever been released along with you know watchmen or the great darkness saga or uh dark knight strikes again so i was i was happy to not have to pull out my individual uh, issues to read it anymore so um that was a lot of fun um also uh i actually went on a uh well i went on a work trip and it ended up being a podcasting adventure along the way i don't know if i mentioned that i went to phoenix um in our last show i was out there on business and i got to meet up with the gang from um Technorama, chuck and oh. craig as well as um, um, Ben from um, uh, Two Gay Geeks, and they also had a podcasting meetup going on. And I was like, "Oh, I am a I am a podcaster." So, <laughs> so I, I went to the meetup uh, with them, and it was uh, cool to meet all the different people. Well, you know, we discuss uh, what we discuss as far as uh, you know science fiction and TV shows and stuff. And we know we're acquainted with people that do similar shows like ours. It was nice to see people doing shows. Um, that are completely unrelated to anything we do yet still using the medium of podcasting. One woman, um, does, uh, reviews on original, uh, Chinese men like menu dishes. Hmm. 
Uh, then we have a, then there was another guy who goes through on his own through um, through Kickstarter and finds independent bands that he thinks are good and brings them to light. <laughs> so I was like, oh wow, what a diverse group of people we we ended up having. But yeah, it was uh, then another woman runs a uh, self help group through her podcast. I was just you know it's just amazing all the different ways that podcasting can um, interact with people. So so that was a, that was a lot of fun as well. And then last but not least. Um, the uh, Babylon 5 encyclopedia arrived on my doorstep, and it looks yeah. oh so beautiful and oh so nice. And no, I have not ripped open the plastic yet. I don't know <laughs> what to do. I just I can't bring myself to do it. But I keep looking at it. It keeps staring at me, telling me to open it. And one day, perhaps I will, but I haven't yet. I've cracked open mine. Um, and uh, yeah, just I've, I've just dabbled so far. But uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, and, uh, and 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 as ever, kudos to the B5 books team for their extraordinary packaging. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was it was yeah, it was very nice. When the uh, inner box had the uh, logo on it, was uh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't splurge for the physical copy. I have the online version, well, which is you know, and I, nice. Oh, it's it's you know, it's very nice. I think you know, geez, you know, you'll be able to, you know, you want to look up something, and you it's right at the uh, your fingertips. I did elect to get that one as well, and I haven't actually logged in yet, although I should, and um, even though I got yelled at, well, not yelled at, just uh, had a finger shaken at me for what took me so long to order it but uh <laughs> that's another story and um and uh but yeah so yeah no i, I like that idea you know especially um i know john you're a heavy ebook reader as well so that makes seems like a good fit for you you know what's interesting is that in at least the last year or so i think i've swung all the way back <laughs> over to <laughs> print mainly because you know with reading so much manga and stuff i find it's just a oh, lot uh, more um it, it it like sticks better if I actually read it in the print version because if I read it online, it's so quick. It's almost like I lose anything that I. It's it's like almost disposable in my head. But yeah, I, I find that I read a lot more physical books these days just because. Uh, oh. Yeah, it's it's weird because I'll go through like a whole few months where I'm reading nothing but stuff online because of various reasons, whether it's travel or anything else, and I just don't feel like carrying a big book around or whatever. And then I'll just go into this other mode for a while, like right now, where, yeah, it just seems to work out better that way. It's almost like it, it, it it's not quite so easy to dismiss what it is that I'm reading on the page, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, dangerous. I seem to have found the middle ground where, I mean, with, with ebooks, um, I mean, initially, I mean, I, I resisted Kindle. I do have one now, but I hardly ever use it. But uh, I was, I was using the the Sony e-reader, and uh, when they, uh, they, you know, they they uh, basically got dropped out of that market a couple, a few years ago now. And uh, but now I'm using one of the one of the Kobo readers. And uh, but but uh, it is certainly just for print books. But uh, but but I am absolutely absolutely dedicated to that. Uh, you know, unless I, I I can't find something in ebook version. Um, but uh, but but there. You know, I mean, it is a you know little you know mini tablet about the size of a paperback in a nice leather cover, um, and uh, you know so so it still has that sense of being a separate thing that I pick up to just read a book or the well at this point twelve hundred books that are stored in its memory. <laughs> well, you know that's an interesting thing too, as my um, shelf space is um, not only filled but I'm now putting books on top of the, <laughs> the books in between. Um, you know, it, it becomes a challenge to you know what is uh, shelf worthy. You know, is it going to be something I want to read just a single time, or do I? Is it something that I honestly will go back and revisit? And as I look at all my books, I don't think there's probably 
three shelves of them that I would probably that I've really that I've gone back on any regular basis, and so it makes me keep looking at them. It's like, oh, maybe it's time to move them out. Oh, but I can't get rid of it. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's a love hate relationship. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of that right now, where I'm either uh, I, I've kind of got three categories. Either I'm keeping it, which means that I that I haven't read it, or I'm definitely planning on rereading it in the near future. I ha- I'm going to. Uh, put it through my uh, decluttering app where I, at least I get some money back for it or quite simply they're being donated but it's it's kind of a brutal process because it's like but they're like my children yeah <laughs> I can't <laughs> but yeah that is the benefit of the ebook thing is that you can really put a whole lot in, in on literally like almost no memory whatsoever but mm-hmm. yeah there is something to the actual feel of having the book especially after you haven't done it for a while and it kind of you know gets back to you um the one I'm reading right now is the fourth book in the Red Rising um, series. I guess it's not a trilogy anymore. Um, called, called Iron Gold. And yeah, I got the, the title right this time, folks. <laughs> you'd, you'd think a book I was highly anticipating I'd get the title right, but there we are. Um, I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and it's a great read. I got it in, in, in hardcover. Um, so there you go. It's, it is a nice, big, thick, 600-plus page you know brick to, to throw at somebody if, if I have to. But um, yeah, definitely an enjoyable book. Uh, it's I, I kind of find that I do the, the, the uh, similar thing that I, I used to do in years past where I'll, I'll read something a little uh, heavier or, or, or more uh, robust, if you will. Then in between, I'll maybe catch up on some manga, maybe read a Star Trek novel, and then uh, get back into something a little heavier or, or a little more meatier. Uh, or meatier, not more meatier. Uh, yeah. So, for instance, I still still have on my shelf two the next two books of the Expanse. Mm-hmm. I stopped after book three. Ah. I didn't quite get to it. Oh, and, yeah. and Edmund, I tried. I really tried I, with the culture. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I may need to just skip to the next one, but Accession, I just could not do. Oh, that, that's funny enough because it it it, it was. Uh, I, I understand, yeah, being uh, tough to get to get started with, but uh, it was one of my favorites, and uh, yeah, and then, and I know among uh, you know you know the uh, the comments I've seen online that you know that it, 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 there there are a lot of people who like it, but there is also the, absolutely the, the the flip side where where yeah, get, getting into the uh, the the ship's brains uh, isn't for everybody. I found that to be okay. What what kind of got to me was the fact that I was a good 300 pages into it and there was still nothing happening yet. <laughs> so it was like, I just can't. <laughs> okay. Maybe my brain's just not in the right place. Maybe, maybe it needs to be evolved a little or, you know, put into a younger self or something. I don't know, but yep. yeah, yeah, still, no, but yeah. I was going to say about The Expanse, I, I, I envy you because I have gotten all the way to the end of the published ones. So. Ah. In terms of well, in terms of the main novels, I mean, they're, they're the the side stories that I haven't read, but uh, but in terms of the main story, it's like you know, no, I'm uh, I'm as far along as I can be, so now I'm just waiting for the next book. But uh, hopefully, I'm, I'm, unlike their former employer, I'm hoping they'll get this, you know, they'll get it out a bit uh, quicker. I don't think it's possible <laughs> to get it out any slower. <laughs> I think you know they talk about molasses in winter, and that would be highly ironic in this particular case, but. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Anything else that I'm missing here? I really haven't been able to play any games lately. I shouldn't say haven't been able to. I just have other priorities at the moment. But uh, who knows, again, if I, if the uh, there's nothing on the air, who knows whether or not I'll get back into anything. But uh, any other things that uh, we can throw out there as far as uh, recommendations or things that we've been uh, knee-deep in the last three weeks or more in Edmund's case? Um. Yeah, well, I, uh, I mean, uh, just to get back to, to Netflix, I have actually been, uh, you know, in the last few months go, going, one, one reason why I haven't been keeping up with the shows on on our list um, is uh, I, I've found uh, quite a few intriguing um, foreign entries on the Netflix queue. Um, Germany is uh, continuing to uh, do some quality drama series. I think they've, 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 the uh, German TV industry has kind of uh, been a little envious of uh, all the, the Scandinavian thrillers and things, uh, like uh, The Killing and The Bridge and uh, and that sort of thing that have been uh, sort of tearing up the uh, the, the international markets. Um, and, uh, of course, there, there was Deutschland 183 um, a couple of years ago, and They've now done a similar series called The Same Sky, which really is their version of the Americans, because this time it really is a trained agent getting sent across the lines into Western Germany to infiltrate. And um, in this case, uh, you know, and, and very much one of the, uh, the, the uh, Romeo honeypot scenarios of uh, trying to seduce a NATO secretary and gain access to, uh, to uh, you know, see, uh, secret plans and things uh, in the 80s. Um, and uh, the the my, my my only slight criticism of it is it, it's one of these situations where it's just this six episode first season, um, which really is just you know just, you know just a little prologue, and you're just getting into the getting into the story, and then it's over, and you have to wait for the next series, which has been has been ordered, um, but uh, you know no, it's going to be a, a year or so before uh, before we actually get to see it. Um, and uh, also this series called Babylon Berlin, um, which just dropped on Netflix uh, recently, um, and uh, which is set uh, between the wars. And so it is Berlin in sort of that 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 uh, cabaret decadent time frame, but with uh, you know obviously with with, with the, the ominous rise of the uh, National Socialists and the Nazi Party uh, going on in the background, um, and uh, a uh, very. Um, it, very nice. Uh, I mean, ba- basically, p- police drama um, where it's uh, set, you know it's it's uh, a uh, policeman um, from outside Berlin coming into Berlin. So he's got that that outsider fish out of water. Um, they're not really trusted by the Berlin police. Um, investigating a murder and uh, and other nefarious stuff that's going on involving the Russians and communist sympathizers and of course the the, the Nazi um, Nazi background going on. Um, and that actually had they filmed two full seasons and uh, and release them all at once um and that was uh you know it was was very well done um and uh one of the main the main guys involved in it is, is tom tekwer who was um the guy who did the score and directed some of the sensate episodes um and also and used a kind of similar collaborative um approach to this series where i mean i noticed in the credits there were there were three different there were three directors credited including him for each of each of the episodes and reading the behind the scenes stuff they really were doing it as that much of a collaborative effort so um you know it's uh you know it's, it's very different subject matter from sensei but, but but definitely taking that sort of same collaborative um approach to the production that uh, that that uh, they were using there um and uh, and in that case because it is the you know this this is one of those cases where it's actually going to like black sale where you know yes it's it's it, they call it two seasons basically it's one full story <laughs> gotcha uh, you know but uh, but but def- definitely worth seeing yeah, and I think the last thing that I just want to mention is that I am still keeping up with the uh, 
the West Wing Weekly, and I've made it my now uh, my ongoing um, practice to watch the episodes before they talk about them on the on, the, on 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 there. Especially now that they're in the fourth season, where you know the first three seasons I almost know like the back of my hand at this point. But once you get to season four and onward, it's a little more arcane for me because I've only seen the episodes maybe two or three times. And, yeah. There's no show like that that you know, another show like that that I I've watched multiple times. No, not at all. Um, but <laughs> yes, the wheel turns, does it not? But yes. uh, yeah. Anyhow, um, we're now in the season where at the point where Josh Molina himself, one of the co-hosts of the West Wing Weekly, mm-hmm. is in fact a regular cast member, and so um, essentially the West Wing Weekly has become uh, Malineception. So <laughs> because it's Molina reviewing Molina. <laughs> <laughs> on a regular basis. So, and they, he even had in one episode his his family members come on to talk about their reaction to his his plot in the, in the episode. So, so it's been very enjoyable. Uh, I still tell anybody who has even the most passing interest in the West Wing that that is a podcast you should go back to the very beginning of and maybe uh, do a rewatch uh, along with the listening to the podcast episodes. They get cast members all the time. Oh yeah. Um, they even get Aaron Sorkin on a regular basis. Um, and they get actually what they'll do is they'll get subject matter experts for the topics on those episodes of the West Wing and that can be even more fascinating. So I know it's becoming a commercial for the West Wing Weekly here at the end of our episode, but uh, I've been having a great time with that and especially as I'm getting into these episodes that I don't know as well and the insight that I'm getting from the people on the on the podcast is actually really fascinating because especially as they're kind of getting towards the end of the Sorkin era into the Wells era and some of the, the background that we're, that they're kind of revealing as to some of the tensions and some mm. of the, uh, some of the, the burnout that Sorkin was kind of experiencing at that point. Um, it, there's a multitude of reasons why things went the way that they did. Um, and it's just interesting to get that insight. So really a lot of fun uh, since we mentioned both podcasts and things on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> those are, yeah, those intersect in that particular way. Yeah. And- and uh, and honestly, this was not planned at all, folks. Um, but uh, but I, I had been uh, avoiding the West Wing Weekly simply because I wanted to listen to it while doing a rewatch. Um, but uh, in my in my little pod my podcatcher app on my phone, the uh, episode for Game On popped up, and remember you know remembering how much I love that episode, I said, oh what the heck, I'll you know let, let, let me listen to this one. You know I remember that that you know that, that, that of course is the debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, and and of course, did did not realize until I started listening to it that it was also the the episode that in fact was Josh Molina's first episode on the West Wing. Yep. So it was their first time having Josh Molina as you know, yes, co-host and oh, our special guest star. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you know, and, and his co-host of course did uh, did did happen to spring a uh, speaking of those uh, cast interviews, a, a couple of surprises on him. So that was yeah. that was uh, very enjoyable. <laughs> See, there you go. You you've experienced the joy on your own. So yes. it's one of those little synchronicities in life that we can all appreciate. All right. That's it for episode four. Uh, eight. Oh, geez. We're going back in time. No, no, no. I, we've done more than that. Stop. Yes. 849. 849 for those who are playing the lottery at home. All right. We're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. Next time we are going to have episodic discussion probably for the whole, the whole gamut. That's right. Okay. Episode 850, Episodic Discussion. Until next time. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, 
but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as Fair Use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time. Watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the critical, in the critical myth.